Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur Speaks Podcast. My name, once again, is Kofi Animeju. I'm super excited to host my guest today on this episode. My guest is an influential global business expert with more than three decades of experience building successful ventures in North America, Europe, Asia, and the rest of the world. My guest, Harry Lorican, is well known for his achievements in life sciences, healthcare, diagnostics, healthcare IT, and the convergence of these areas. He's a sought-after speaker, frequently quoted in the media, and regularly asked to assess, influence, and be part of innovative concepts and trends. He holds four U.S. patents in telecommunication and has others pending. He currently serves as a general partner at Sensia Ventures. Before joining Sensia Ventures, he served as an entrepreneur in residence to GE Ventures. He is also a leading founder of Evidation Health, a digital health startup launched with support from GE Ventures, and Drawbridge Health, a revolutionary diagnostic sector set startup launched with support from GE Ventures. Welcome to my show, Harry. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. You have, you've had an, an impressive career, and I'm sure we're going to learn a lot from you today. So to kick off today's conversation, can you please tell us a bit more about yourself and your childhood? Uh, well, I was born here in the United States to um, immigrant parents that came here in uh, 1963. Um, after moving around, uh, for various reasons, um, and, uh, grew up here, uh, actually on the West coast of the United States. And then I, uh, I now reside in the East coast of the United States in Massachusetts, Boston. Um, you know, background, uh, normal childhood, I guess, um, you know, being, being the child of immigrants was always an interesting, um, Thing. You always felt a little different than everybody else, uh, especially if you come from a you know um, ethnic background that's very strong. Uh, but uh, but I love it. It gives me the best of both worlds. It allows me to work in the American culture as well as well as you know continue to to carry my Armenian heritage. Okay. So walk us through your career and the amazing things you've been involved in all these years. Uh, well, you know, a lot of it was influenced, like my dad died when I was very young. So I always knew like I had to like work very hard to, I mean, I don't want to say success was not an option, but it sort of was, no matter what it took, we were going to like try to do something. Um, uh, I never thought, some of the things that I was working on would ever happen, but that just, I, I think that's just life. So you go from one thing to the next thing. Um, but my wife likes to complain and say, you know, that most people are happy doing one thing and I'm not happy unless I'm doing three, four or five things uh, simultaneously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what are you currently involved in? 
So currently, I'm the I'm a general partner, as you mentioned, at a, at a um, venture capital fund where we are making or have made a number of investments. I think the fund we have now 15 different investments that we're involved in. Um, we're in the process of raising capital for our next fund, um, and um, I'm also CEO of a um, data analytics startup. Uh, it's an idea that I came up with that I'm gotten off the ground, and we're probably going to go and raise money ourselves for that company. And then I also I'm the host of a podcast and uh, an author, uh, and try to write books uh, when I have time. Okay, okay. So you talk. You just talked about the data analytics company. Um, um, why did you set up that particular company? What's the story behind the setup of the data analytics com- com- company? Uh, it, you know, m- m- the best, I think that some of the best ideas are always need-based. So I was starting to feel that I could not keep up with the pace of innovation. Um, there's too much to read too much to keep track of. So I came up with this crazy idea of, could I build a system that could help me understand where I could focus or where I needed to focus? So we ended up designing an analytics platform that helps me understand where things are going and therefore allows me to focus my efforts in those particular areas. But ironically, I'm not the only one that wants to do that. There's a lot of people that would like to have that sort of technology. And so that's now what we're building to commercialize. Oh, okay. Okay. So from your earlier submissions, you've talked about being engaged in a number of startups and a number of companies. Um, How long have you been engaged in these um, organizations and how has the journey been so far? So I think I started my first startup when I was 16. So I've been doing startups for, you know, uh, every once in a while, I think I'm crazy to do the next one, but I keep doing them because um, you have to be a little, a little crazy because there's a lot of pain involved when you're trying to get one of these things going. Um, but if you don't, most of the time, there's a lot of good feeling that comes out of it once you get it up and rolling. Um, I'm probably now involved in five or six startups, uh, maybe more. I'm, I might be losing track of a few. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Then I can tell you have a lot of experience. I'll be tapping into that experience as we, we move on in this conversation. Um, so I read, well, doing my research on you that you are quite big when it comes to technology and its relationship with health. Um, So I would like to find out your views on a number of things when it comes to the use or the the practice of embedding technology in useful health health, health activities or practices. Um, so, So what role has technology and artificial intelligence, what role do they have on bettering our health. So if you think about it, there are things that are happening inside the body that the body signals that if we could track them or see them, that we could actually 
identify maybe a disease happening before it happens, or at least create a baseline uh, of uh, information, or uh, basically see something that happens, an aberration that happens, uh, while the person you know doesn't even realize that maybe it's happening. And all these new technologies that the sensors are getting smaller, you know, Wi-Fi being attached to them, that it allows someone to have a technology that can give them information in their daily lives or communicate with their doctor. Or you can see how some of these artificial techno- artificial intelligence-based technologies can help a doctor make a decision faster or identify something that they should be focused on that they might have missed. Okay, okay, okay. So, 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 looking at this and with your experience, so, 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 what do you think are some of the new technologies that are yet to come up in this area? Oh, the, I, I think there's a, there's a, a a number that are already out there. I mean, there's uh, like one on my desk here, which is a uh, a small, little, very thin unit that I'm holding up, and if I put my two fingers on each side it will automatically do an EKG of my heart from from my cell phone. So it'll look at six different parameters of my heart. And then the AI system will look at it and say if there's anything abnormal. And then I can send that information to my doctor and I don't have to go to the hospital. Um, And there are a number of different wearable devices that track my sleep, Actually, it's funny because my Apple Watch and an app that I had on my phone diagnosed that I had sleep apnea. So sleep apnea is one of those diseases where uh, you hold your breath while you're sleeping or you don't get enough oxygen. So if you if you know people that snore a lot, the chances are that they have some level of sleep apnea. But if you can diagnose it early and treat it early, it doesn't have the negative effects on the person's body. So my watch actually was the one that said, hey, you might have sleep apnea. So you may wanna go have this checked. So I didn't have to go to the hospital to find that out. I, I had it verified at the hospital, but the devices sort of gave me the idea that something was going wrong. So what's the name of the device you showed us? The earlier one, the one you showed us, not the watch, the earlier one. This this one is called an AliveCore. It's from a company called AliveCore. Okay. And is Um, it on the market? Is it on the market? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Everything that that I'm talking about is totally available today. And the interesting thing about technology is every year, the prices start to go down. So it may start out, you know, the first generation may be expensive, but because I, I think this one, when it first came out was $200, $250. And I think now it's down to below $80, right, here in the US. So it's continuing to decrease. Um, and if you, depending on the country, there may be alternatives that are even more cost-effective based on geography. Very, very interesting. 
Um, so what's the new healthcare business paradigm and how does it affect us as individuals? So I believe that the new paradigm is these technologies will allow, first of all, patients to, to better manage themselves without having to always go to their physician. Um, the second thing is, is they can communicate with their physician with the data that may help make better decisions. But also, doctors and different practitioners can practice in the field. In other words, it, it's not that they have to be in the hospital all the time, but they can be at someone's home and have a few of these devices and all of a sudden perform a number of different activities. Whereas before you would have to go to a hospital. So making healthcare available for everybody everywhere is becoming more of a reality because, you know, you're in Ghana. I'm sure almost everybody has a cell phone. Okay. So if you have a cell phone, you have a Wi-Fi connection. So if you have a Wi-Fi connection, you can, all of these technologies function and communicate with potentially your physician or your loved one. So it's an enabling technology to bring healthcare and even it out and make it more democratized. Mm -hmm. that's, that's very true. Um, so you've talked a lot about the importance of technology in, in healthcare delivery and how it, it can make it um, so easy for us all to assess healthcare. Um, now let's talk about artificial intelligence. I believe that is something that is on the radar now. Everyone is talking about artificial intelligence, AI. Um, how can artificial intelligence improve our health? So if you think about it, I mean, everybody is using AI today. They may not uh, they may not realize it, which is good because it's supposed to be in the background, right? So if you do a Google search, you are using some form of AI, right? If you are uh, talking into your phone and, and uh, you're asking Siri a question or uh, I forget what the Android one is, right? It's an artificial intelligence system that is interacting with you or even a chatbot. Um, the, the beauty of artificial intelligence is it's, it's very good at identifying patterns or seeing an image. And so, and it's much, much better than just a human by themselves. So it can identify a problem, let's say, in um, an X-ray or uh, a CT scan. And or a pathology slide that that you know can highlight it to the doctor, and then the doctor plus the AI, the decision is better and the decision is faster. Um, same thing when it comes to all the technologies that you would wear. There's an AI component, sort of making it explainable to you, so that you know what to do. Okay, thank you so much for that. Um, but a follow up to that. So so in that case. How can the AI data we obtain, how can it be a powerful tool on our journey to reach optimal health? So, for example, I track my sleep. And so I have found out what helps me, what I should not do to get better sleep, right? I mean, there are things that I've learned along the way that have helped optimize my sleep. By optimizing my sleep, I give my body more time to recover. 
And I have more energy every day to keep doing the five or 10 startups that I'm doing, right? So you need, I need to be as, as energetic as possible. And I do the same thing when it comes to, you know, um, I have a wireless blood pressure cuff where I can see, you know, make sure that everything is where I need it to be. And it gives me an early warning capability, like, a, like the dashboard on your car, to be able to understand how I can better myself or optimize myself so I can, I can live, hopefully, a long, healthy life um, as opposed to, you know, I know a lot of my friends don't pay attention and I'm watching them slowly break down over time, which does not look fun. So I can see you are very big when it comes to devices, health-based devices. Can you bring back the blood pressure monitor and demonstrate how it works? It's wireless. Um, can yes. you demonstrate how it works? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I would take this off and I would just put it around my, my arm right here. Okay. And then, you know, just put this on so it's a little on it there snug. Yeah. And then there's a little button at the top. Mm -hmm. that um, let's see that when you push it, the light goes on. And what it would do is it would connect to the an app on my phone. Okay. And then automatically it would inflate, take a measurement, and then give me the answer. Wow. Okay. Okay. And right? and 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 so if 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 you do that, even let's say it's just once a month or once a week. Now, when you go to your doctor and you show them, you know, six months worth of blood pressure measurements, they have more information than they did before. And they can see if it's going up and down because most people, when they go to the doctor, they're uh, nervous and usually their blood pressure is a little bit higher because they're uncomfortable. Exactly. But if you're doing it at home all the time, you can get a much more baseline measurement of yourself um so still on the, the the devices so far you've shown us about three devices are there other devices you don't necessarily need to have them here are there other devices you like to tell us about that is making healthcare more easier and more accessible well there's there are different um you know, I think the, the, the big ones that are right now that are moving things forward are things like uh, image analysis, where in the hospital, they would have the ability to see a problem that maybe would be difficult for a physician to see um, or identify a disease uh, much faster than, say, just a person by themselves. There are technologies, and I don't have it on my phone, but where you can take a picture of a a mole or a lesion, and the AI system will tell you, should you have a doctor look at it or not? What the percentage potential of it being, say, skin cancer? Um, and there are different technologies like this that are coming. You know, one, I can give you an example of it from a university that's near me. Um, they've developed a system that can see breast cancer five years before a human can see it. So, yes. So, it, you know, the earlier you identify the problem, the better you can treat it. 
if you wait until it's too late, the, the problem is much bigger and so therefore much more difficult to solve. Mm-hmm. I can see you're so much interested and neck deep into technology and its linkage with health. Um, what actually drew you to this area? What really drew you to this area? Yeah. So, well, I've been I've been very lucky. I think almost every company that I started my career in was just happened to be on the bleeding edge of, you know, what was going to happen next. And um, I've always been incredibly curious. And so you start to see where things are going, and you always want to be where the next thing is happening. Um, sometimes I tell people, I'm like, I don't know why anybody would want to do any other job because this is the most exciting job every day. Um, my, my, my wife complains. She's like, you're always reading something. Why don't you relax? I'm like, you don't understand. This is relaxing for me. Um, (laughs) so (laughs) I don't have very many other hobbies. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but I really enjoy what I'm doing. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, it's always good to enjoy what you do. So, because by doing that, you put in a lot more effort and achieve a lot more results. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've been on this journey for over three decades. Um, you've seen it all, you've done it all. What indeed are some of the major challenges you faced on this journey? Well, uh, you know, there's there's lots of them, um, and it's funny. I, I, I in some ways, I, I I think it's almost a disadvantage to see it all because then it gets boring. Um, because I'm always learning something new. Uh, but you know, the biggest issues are uh, at least here in the United States. You know, from this standpoint, I could say that you know, finding the right people getting the right teams together, building the right, you know, strategic direction. Um, You know, the rest is just, you know, hard work and execution, right? And and being able to like be nimble, at least in the beginning, because there's no company that says, this is what I'm going to do. And that's exactly what they end up doing. There's a few, there's always a few twists and turns that life will throw you. But I would say that those are Generally speaking, the biggest challenges, I mean, working with other humans, if you pick the wrong ones, it's a problem. Okay. Um, So just as you've addressed some of the challenges you've encountered on this journey, I believe there's also been a lot of lessons you've picked up. Can you share some of these useful lessons with us? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, again, uh, you know, it's hard to do a journey by yourself. So, again, picking the right people and being a good judge of character is one. Uh, the second one is, you know, you you have to assume you're wrong in the back of your mind that will constantly keep you curious. I, You know, I always like to say the paranoid survive. Um, being too sure of yourself is not always... You're not. You might not see a, 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 a the hole in the ground that you're about to run into, um, but you know. And sometimes, knowing everything about what you're about to do, isn't always the greatest things. I mean, I've I've I don't know if I've ever done 
the same thing twice. Um, I've always tried to do something new. And then once I realize that I'm standing in the middle of the fire, you know, you realize you have no choice but to keep going as opposed to giving up at that point and backing out. So, so to, 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 as a follow-up to what he just said, um, human as we are, there are times we are faced with challenges and we are pushed to the verge of giving up. And we all kind of draw inspiration or look at things and people for motivation. So, so, so if I should pose this question, um, what really inspires you to do all, all that you're doing? What will your response be? So my biggest cheerleader, you know, used to be my mother before she passed away. I mean, she would just be proud of anything that I was doing. So it would always be exciting to go with her, you know, to her with something that I was doing next. Um, she didn't always understand everything I was doing, but that's okay. That was okay. Um, you know, now that she's passed, what I've learned is, you know, my wife and my family love me, but I can't look to them for inspiration. Like I've got to actually, all of that has to come. You know, your wife loves you, but she really doesn't, you know, that she's not supposed to be there like <laughs> cheerleading you on. It's, it's all got to come internally. Right. And so I find that, you know, I just have to motivate myself and, you know, convince myself um, to keep going and do the next thing. And then, uh, you know, be happy with my, you know, accomplishments along the way. Uh, that's, that's how I've had to transition from my mom being my cheerleader to me having to be my own cheerleader. Okay. 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 Um, so since 2020, you've been confronted with this pandemic, um, COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic that has kind of shaped the way we do things that has impacted us um, both positively and negatively. Um, considering the kind of work you do, considering the area that you specialize in, um, how has your COVID, how has COVID either um, 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 boosted your operations or hindered your operations? Um, what has been your experience during this period of COVID? So probably the biggest negative has been my social life, which is horrible under COVID because you can't get together with people. And I'm a big extrovert. I like being around groups of people and having a good time. Um, from an operational perspective, not much has changed. I mean, technology is, has evolved to the point where communication has not been an issue, although being on Zoom all day will, will drive you nuts every once in a while. Um, but... In my world, there have been sort of two things that have happened. One, technology that we were in, that we were invested in moved forward much faster because everybody needed it, um, and so we accelerated things by about five years just because of COVID. Now, when we're developing a drug and we need to deal with patients, those slowed down because. You couldn't get the patients because COVID restrictions sort of made that harder. So we had to balance, um, you know, how we manage those companies. But overall, I think the changes in healthcare specifically that COVID has caused 
I think will be a tremendous good for society. It's difficult to see right now, but I think in the next two, three, four, five years, I think everybody will reap the benefit of what has happened. So you've been on this journey for over three decades. Um, you've succeeded in some things. You've not succeeded in others. Um, you've picked a lot of lessons. If I should ask this question, um, if you were to, you were given the chance to do all that you've done all these years all over again, what would you do different? Oh, I, I, I think earlier in my life, I would have studied a little more. Um, <laughs> I, would have been, I would have been a better student, uh, that's for sure. Um, I didn't appreciate uh, college as much as I should have. I did much better when I you know, went and got my MBA uh, because I knew why I was going to school. Um, I probably would have spent a little more time understanding computer science. Um, not not because I wanted to program, but just to understand it in more depth because it's been such a big factor. Um, I would have spent more time learning finance because that has been such a, you know, once you graduate, it's all about how do you manage your own money and what do you do? And um, those would be the things I think I would spend, you know, the most time on. I don't know if I would change anything else because I, I I take a you know big enough risk as it is so I don't think I need to if I took any more risk I think my wife would kill me but um so you know those are the things that I think that I would focus on um and I would tell you you know sometimes you cannot listen to all the people around you as much as everybody loves you Sometimes when you love somebody so much, you're, you, you're holding them back from what may be a great learning experience in life. Okay. Now, um, in doing my research before this interview, I came across a number of books you've written. Um, and I, in, I saw three. I don't know whether there are more. Um, so what <laughs> I would like us to do now is to take each book one by one and then you give us the key messages and at the end tell us where we can get copies so the first book i identified was the future you how artificial intelligence can help you get healthier stress less and live longer so that's the first book i came across so what, what really drew you to, to, to write this particular book? And what are the key messages one can find in this book? So that's my latest book. It just came out in uh, December. Um, okay. And it is written for anyone at any level of understanding. And it is all about trying to understand how technology has changed and how they can incorporate it into their life to improve their health and wellness. Um, so it talks about all these wearable technologies. It talks about cancer and what's changed in that sector. It talks about all the different areas that are changing the whole dynamic of, of health and wellness. 
so that would be the main message. And what I always hope is someone will take one thing that is, you know, important to them and incorporate it into their life, or maybe someone that they love, and that improves their health and, and wellness. Mm-hmm. The next one I came across is commercializing novel IVDs, a comprehensive manual for success. But before you talk about it, what is IVDs? What does that stand for? <laughs> so, so this is a, it's a textbook. Um, oh, okay. It is specifically written for uh, people in the diagnostic world and how they can take a unique diagnostic and bring it to market. So it is, it's written for somebody who is in that space. Um, and it's definitely a textbook. It is written like a textbook. It's as boring as a textbook. <laughs> okay. Okay. The third one I came across is Moneyball Medicine, thriving in the new data-driven healthcare market. Tell us about yes. this. So, so this is another one that's more leaning towards somebody who's in the business. So say uh, doctors, uh, some you know people in the biotech or pharmaceutical industry, uh, technical people. It is more about, uh, it, it's sort of my journey. It was the one before the future you, where it is explaining to them how data and technology is going to change everything in medicine and how they need to understand what's going on so that they can keep up. So I went from the practitioner in Moneyball Medicine to the consumer in the future you. Okay. So so where can my listeners and viewers purchase copies of your books? So the the future you uh, and Moneyball Medicine are um, available on Amazon. Um, that that would be the I think the easiest place to get it. Uh, you know, it's also at Barnes and Noble online. I mean, b- both of those carry the books online. Uh, the IVD book, uh, I can't. I don't remember the website. It's a it's a textbook uh, company that carries it. Um, that that they can identify it from. But the other ones are available on Amazon. Okay. So you've, you've, you've grown a very wonderful career in this space. Um, and, and I'm sure some of my listeners and viewers will be drawn into this space and will be planning and desiring to, to, to build careers in this area. Um, what would be your advice to someone with that desire to begin a career in your area? So I guess it depends on which part of, you know, the space, but I, I would I would say that you know uh, you know having the scientific knowledge. So if you can go and get a degree, that would be ideal. Um, although if you come to the space from the computer science world, in other words, the programming world, there's we need great people. So you may not need to understand the space, but you can partner with somebody that does understand it, so you can translate what you're doing on the computer side into the medical side, but at least getting your degree in biology. Um, I mean, if you want to make drugs, I would almost recommend that you move along to get your PhD. Um, but, you know, learn as much as you can, but then really the biggest 
success factor is what do you do after you graduate? How hungry are you and how hard are you going to work to achieve that level of success and don't let people get in your way? Okay. So before we wrap up, um, what what should we expect in the next five years um, in the area of health, technology, well-being, and improvement of health? What, what, what are some of the futuristic things that are being worked on, things we should look out for? Well, I think there's a number of them that I tried to cover in this last book, but some are things like you saw how quickly we were able to make a vaccine. I think we will see that speed in a number of other drugs, maybe not in nine months because that's ridiculously fast. But faster than 10 years, right? We're, we're making that number smaller. Um, second is, you know, all these, you know, wearable technologies are going to start and, and, and apps on your phone are going to become more and more useful to a wider group of people to manage their health and wellness. Um, I think you're going to see uh, amazing therapies in an area called uh, gene editing, where you can actually uh, manipulate the DNA of an individual. And one of the biggest ones that we've had success in so far is sickle cell, where there's been no treatment for sickle cell. But the first woman who was dosed about a year ago with a gene editing technology has been completely cured of that disease and has shown no uh, side effects or any symptoms from the disease that she had once that got fixed. So I think you, there's a lot of these things that are going to fundamentally change human health around the world. Um, so I would say that these are the areas that show the they're moving forward incredibly fast on a daily basis. Okay. Okay. Before we wrap up, um, I also realized that you're a podcaster and you have your own show. So before we, we sign off, if you can tell us about your podcast and also where my listeners who are now hooked on to your kind of specialty, um, technology in healthcare delivery, um, where can they listen to your shows? Yeah, we really appreciate that. So tell us a bit about your shows and where we can get... Yeah, so to listen to yeah yeah so the the name of the show is the harry glorickian show so it's my name um so it should be, it should be easy to find um and it is available on all the different channels you know um you know itunes spotify i, I pretty much every uh type of uh, podcast channel i've had it on there i have it on there um, it is available on, uh, you know, around the world. I actually found out my podcast is in the top 3% of global podcasts, which I'm, I'm fairly happy about right now. And the discussion in it is, um, you know, how does biology and, and technology come together and how does it affect people? Um, and so I interview CEOs of companies. I interview uh, physicians uh, and technologists in the field. 
Okay. All right. So before we go, what will be your last words or general advice for my listeners and viewers? Oh, I mean, I, 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 I would say that, you know, be curious. Um, you know, these different things that I'm talking about are coming incredibly fast and you do want to understand them because they, they can, they can help you a lot and help your loved ones in a better health and wellness dynamic, uh, that we're all looking for in our lives. So listeners, be curious, be curious. So thank you, Harry, for sharing your rich experience with us today on the Entrepreneur Speaks podcast. We wish you the very best. Thank you so much for having me. So this has been another exciting episode of the Entrepreneur Speaks podcast. I'll come your way next time with another interesting episode. I remain your host, Kofi Animedu. As always, COVID still lags around. It's still not over. So do take good care of yourself and let's continue to keep hope alive. Cheers. Cheers.